0: For TV. And welcome back to another episode of Doctor Who Too Hot for TV. Now this is a special episode. I'm not joined by Jack. Instead, I'm joined by Michael Williams. Michael, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all is good here. All is good here. Slowly creeping out of this pandemic. How has your apocalypse been?
1: Um, to be honest, it's been really full on because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've basically been producing online events for four months and just editing and making content and and streaming a show called Isolation Station five days a week for eight hours and that stopped now but yeah I tried to fill my time with as much stuff as I could because if I didn't I would, my demons would consume me <laughs> and then I'd be <laughs> left alone.
0: So the podcast as you know we talk about Doctor Who extended universe stuff and we've got something to talk to you about today but first of all I want to know how did you become a Doctor Who fan?
1: So I've, I'm i very similar I think to you and many people where um, I became a fan during the 90s so I was born in the 80s late mid 80s 85 and then uh, I was bought a VHS of Dark Invasion Earth 2150 AD so my, my first break into Doctor Who wasn't actually like Canon Doctor Who, either it was, although there's no such thing as canon anymore.
0: But it's a, it's it's a gateway drug, and I think in many ways those Peter Cushing Dalek movies, especially pre-new series, are kind of the most accessible version of Doctor Who there is. They're so good. They're still great. <laughs> I still love them. Um, and then so so my dad bought me that,
1: and then he just saw that I watched it all the time. So he then bought me Day of the Daleks, um, the Pertwee VHS, and then that, after that, then it was just. Please, can I have some more Doctor Who, Dad? And so on and so on. Um, I was living in Brecon, and there was only like a, a Woolworths there. And, you know, obviously there's no internet in the sort of early 90s. So we kind of, I discovered it as I went, you know, and didn't realise there was a sick doctor for ages. Like, who's this guy? That's another baker. What? This can't be real. And then, yeah, and then just developed like that. And then that's how it kind of started. And then it just, you know what it's like. You just become... obsessed Obsessed. yeah and then you just buy more and more consume more and more of it until you've seen everything you can and then and then they start making new stuff and then you're like okay great
0: yeah it was very kind of them to start making new doctor who just around the time everybody was really running out of old doctor who to watch
1: so true um, excuse me, by the way, I'm eating jelly babies. I've bought them especially for this podcast.
0: It's a, it's on brand. It's on brand. So it's absolutely fine. Do you have like a favourite period of Doctor Who, whether it's when it was off air, whether it was from the classic series or the new series, like any point of like, which you would call maybe either your peak enjoyment of the show or peak fandom?
1: My favourite era is Pertwee, Delgado and the unit years. I really distinctly remember having almost panic attack level excitement when, um, Russell T Davis brought Doctor Who back. (laughs) And like, so I, because, because you probably very similar. I never had like live Doctor Who. I had the McGann movie, but I'd already watched mm. it on video because it came out before on video, I think.
0: It, it did. It did. We'll, 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 go, we'll go into McGann a bit more in, in a bit. But yeah, that there was a gap of about two weeks.
1: Yeah. So I, there was no like live TV excitement. So when it came back on telly, it, it actually leaked again. The first episode leaked. So I watched that.
0: Did you watch the leak?
1: Yeah. I remember um, I remember having it and watching it about 10 times before it. Went out and I'm sorry, but it was just out there, and I could I took it because I was a
0: fan. I resisted um, <laughs> and like I found it online, and my brother and my girlfriend at the time and my dad were like, don't do it. Don't do it, Don't do it. <laughs> and so I didn't watch it. And then cut to when the episode aired, me frantically on my knees because the video player wasn't recording oh, the episode. Yeah. Like like I was never going to see it again. But <laughs> <laughs> it was repeated the next day on like BBC Three or something. Yeah, but I will never forget that frantic scramble as those as as those title started and i thought which i should have been enjoying but i was just trying to get the bloody thing to record
1: oh my god it sounds like yeah fr- frantic stress that was exciting in itself but i don't think like it got it was always really exciting but then they they weren't quite they weren't quite with it with their next time trailers and then they were dropping spoilers and stuff stuff and then series 2 was very i loved the i just loved the trailers and the excitement they used to do. And then my, the most peak, the peak excitement mode ever was I managed to resist all the spoilers for Series 3 and I didn't know what was going on. And then when the penny dropped that Derek Jacobi was the master, that was, like, I remember being, like, physically stood up in the room and shouting at the TV, like, I must have looked like a mad person just (laughs) losing my mind with excitement. And that was, like, by far the the most peak moment. But, yeah, my favourite era to watch now still is, you know, from Terror of the Autons onwards, Season 8, Doctor Who is my fave. It's your Doctor Who comfy comfy place. place. Yeah, and it's because I, I think, I guess... It's because Pertwee was my sort of gateway into Doctor Who, and I just love him as a Doctor. So
0: I think Pert, Pertwee and Baker are a lot of people's gateways, not just for the people that grew up in the 70s, but anybody that grew up in the 90s, because those early VHS releases were yeah. all them. There was no other doctors that people. I guess just in terms of nostalgia, the BBC assumed and quite rightly that that was the heyday of the show, as far yeah. as people were concerned at that time. Eighties Doctor Who had sort of been a failure, so it wasn't like there was a huge rush for people to have the Twin Dilemma on VHS.
1: <laughs> I still try now and again. I'll, I'll try and watch that, and <laughs> and I, I I really really want to try and enjoy it, and I just can't. Yeah, <laughs> so like... there's
0: there's a couple there's a couple of stories like that that I will put on. But I just I have to put on while I'm working or something like that because it's yeah, like yeah. I can kind of see it from the corner of my eye and just be like I gave it another chance, but it is fucking terrible. I tell you
1: what, actually, I had a really impromptu, random watch of Resurrection of Daleks on the weekend. Just my mate was just like somebody put a tweet out, something about oh, who's your favorite Dalek, and they'd used a picture of the Supreme yeah. from that, and then and then yeah. I was like, I do you know what me and me and my friend Yoan who runs the quiz with me we just was like, let's just watch it. And so we watched it together, like over WhatsApp. And I am actually feel disgraced at myself that I didn't rate it as high as I do now, because I actually think it's really good. And I was always like, it wasn't quite my favourite. It wasn't very good. I, I was always like, it's too much death, too much killing. It's just over the top. But it's actually really well plotted. And the Daleks are good in it, uh, in my opinion, anyway. But I was so surprised. I was like, oh god, I th- I really didn't rate this before, but now I really like it. And I feel like Doctor Who has that way of you can watch it again and then all of a sudden you're like, oh actually this is decent.
0: Yeah, I found myself that I'm, I I'll overexpose myself to like the classics, especially as a kid because say you the videos were out what were Earthshock and Day of the Daleks, so you watch them again and again and again and again. Mm, yeah. But things like, I don't know, um My mind's drawn up. Something like The Power of Crop, which kind of gets a bad rep. But actually, most of the time, I would rather stick that on because it still feels fresh, whereas some of the other stuff doesn't.
1: Yeah, it's because you've written it off. Well, I'd written off Resurrection eight years ago. Mm. And and even the performers, the guy who plays Stein, I was like, oh, he's awful. And then I watched it again, and I was like, actually, he's really, like, he's got it. He nailed it, I thought.
0: But that's the beauty of Doctor Who. And I found that with the new series as well. Like, I know a lot of people... That p- different people have different favorite eras of the new series, but like when I I would really dislike Capaldi's first season, and I went back to rewatch it, and I was like, there are bits of it I don't like, but certain episodes that I dismissed before I was actually like I really enjoyed because once once it's not new Doctor Who, mm. then all the weight's taken off it. Of of this has to be brilliant. It just is what it is.
1: There is that's really true, and I'm doing like this weekly Doctor Who watch. Thing where like me and a couple of mates just choose a Doctor Who story every week and and we chose Empress of Mars and Cold War because we were doing a little Ice Warriors double bill yeah and I remember Cold War being like, like way more exciting than it is now than I remember now but I also remember Empress of Mars being less exciting than it is now and it's completely flipped over for me now and I'm like I really enjoyed Empress I thought it was great um whereas the first time I watched it I wasn't the same yeah, So it's like, yeah, it just changes, doesn't it, as, as it goes.
0: So obviously you have an involvement in Doctor Who fandom. So when were you first aware of other Doctor Who fans?
1: So I grew up in like a town with like 3,000 people in it. And my friend, Yoan and I were in the same primary school. And we would just play Doctor Who in the playground and just draw Doctor Who targets and stuff. And then we and then and then we found another friend of ours called Reece, uh, who's who's another Doctor Who fan in the same primary school, which is really weird. Um, and then so then that was my first oh my god another fan of Doctor Who. And then then I kind of went to live in Cardiff for a few years. Um, and I, I you know I don't know if you, you had a similar situation where like. You essentially grew up, you got out of like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 and then you get to like 17 to like 22 and that's where I was like not focusing on Doctor Who. I yeah. completed my VHS collection off eBay and that was kind of it but it wasn't until it came back again with a wallop that's when it was like uh, there was a whole new world of fans out there um, and you know I never really went to conventions or anything. I went to the the, the Llangollen exp- exhibition and stuff and but it, my first proper taste of fandom was when it came back. And then it was like, okay, you know, Gallifrey base. Well, like, <laughs> ugh, yeah. And then getting annoyed with that. And then I've just, I've just, after like a year of being on there, I just cancelled myself off it. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. But, but the po- the most positive thing, we started doing the quiz in, oh, it's ages a lot. When you think about it, it's quite a long way down the line, but it was in 2010 we started it. Um, and that was my first opportunity to like, entertain Doctor Who fans.
0: And so this is for the people that listen who don't know, and shame on you if you don't, this is the Quiz of Rassilon that you've been running for how long? Um, So on and off for 10 years. um,
1: Wow. Wow. but, But it ran consecutively every month for three and a half years in Cardiff and then we went off then i went to work for the bbc uh, on doctor who uh, and other various tv shows so then it was a bit of a conflict of interest to do it um but then i got we did it in like the celebration and the the festival you know there was like the yeah. doctor who so we did it there and then and then we parked it um for a while and then we've been doing it in london now for like this is our third year or second year can't remember now and then obviously because of lockdown we've now created this online version of it which is seems to be really popular and I've really enjoyed doing um so yeah on off for 10 years but yeah that it's been my real gateway to fandom really and I've met so many friends through it like yourself and various other people who you know who I'm really tight with now because of them coming to the quiz and it's really mad how how that happens really but i suppose doctor who's brought me closer to loads of people
0: it's it's a really great social hub whether it whether it's the online one or the one that happens in the pub which hopefully we'll be back in a pub doing it at yeah, some I point soon so. yeah. um it's really kind of it's just a great place to Go and get a bit drunk on a Sunday and talk about Doctor Who and answer some of the hardest questions and some of the easiest as well. Like (laughs) you you get a decent mix of like proper brain teasers and just like I think one of the I remember one of the ones we came to it was Rob Sherman. Oh yeah, doing his Dalek round and it was the most kind of tangential questions towards towards Dalek that you could possibly think of, but it was absolutely brilliant.
1: They're great though, yeah. We've um we've been so lucky actually. talent that have have put their time in yourself included <laughs> we've had some amazing um we're just so chuffed with like because I think people just want to get involved and and there's something quite innocent about writing a quiz round it's not there's no you're just there to get people to think about certain aspects of the show and recently like I've really like. I'll be honest with you, and this is like you know proper honesty here. Like, if I took the quiz myself, I would have no idea what the (laughs) hell any of the answers were. I would be awful at it. But I, I like especially like um, a couple of the rounds recently, like uh, Toby Haydock's round where he did actor facts, and I just learned so much from it. And and we had a round with uh, from Black Tardis.
0: Yeah, that last month,
1: and I. You know, you learn stuff in a different way. You what, like, oh, there's answers that you already knew, but then you look at it through a different lens, and you think, "Oh, wow, this is really, actually interesting and thought-provoking in a different way." So, so yeah, so yeah, it's been, it, it's really enjoyable. I'm glad that you enjoy it, and I do too.
0: Yeah, it's 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 so much fun. I think because it is fun is what attracts people to it like obviously people take it seriously and you know there's always some teams that have like super researched but most of the ones that i never bother researching and i just come along and just i know i'm not (laughs) gonna gonna win but i just like taking part and then you know sometimes it ends up that a group of us go out until Six o'clock in the morning is my record after exactly. after the no quiz of Rassalon. Um <laughs> on a very, very messy night. We ended up about eight of us ended up in Dalston Amazing. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. That was after the big after you did the anniversary party last year yes. for um, Oh that was the, such a good show with that with the bake off
1: Yes, oh my god, that was so funny, Doctor Who Baker. Yeah, we've man, we've got we've had some belters. I gotta say, in the real world and the virtual. But yeah, the after party of Rassilon is a thing. <laughs> Andy McEwen and all, and, and um, Andy McKellen, sorry, and and crew will be able to vouch for that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's but if you are in London when things get a bit more calmed down and the Quiz of Rassilon is on, I would advise anybody listening to come along. And it's so friendly as well, just because. I've had people like there's people that I speak to all the time sort of on Twitter and stuff, and they'll just come and sit down at the table and say hello and it's like, Ooh. Oh, we speak all the time, but your avatar's a fish person, so I've never <laughs> you know, you never put two and two together and you just get to meet loads of interesting people. Well
1: that's what we encourage really, because I know I know there's a big culture of gatekeeping in Doctor Who, and I also know that um the quiz is essentially it is targeted towards knowing facts. But we do balance that out with making some questions easy and also trying to diversify the rounds. And then we balance that by making it silly and fun and just be having a laugh and actually calling a lot of people out on the mic as yeah. and having yeah. banter back and forth. So we've kind of tried to create a space where everyone's welcome, really, and just has a good time.
0: I think, I think you definitely have. Now, just before we move on to what we're going to talk about today, just tell us a little bit about um, you actually ended up being, well, working on Doctor Who as a runner first, I think, yeah. and, so... and then being in the show.
1: <laughs> so actually, oh, God, I've got quite a few stories here. So before I did anything, they were filming Idiot's Lantern outside my sister's house and on Florentia Street in Cardiff. I just hung out there all day, met David Tennant, met Billy saw the police box. It was like a dream come true. Um, And then I was just hanging out. And then I managed to bump into, I think he was the third AD at that point, Steph Morris, who's now, I think, line producer on Doctor Who. I'm not sure I might be wrong. And I just said, oh, how do I become an extra in Doctor Who? And he was like, oh, just speak to Phoenix Agency, who is the extra agencies that they cast from. So I did. And I emailed them and sent my photos and all that. Didn't hear anything back. And then out of nowhere, uh, I got a phone call saying, do you want to come and be an extra in Something because they don't really tell you properly, and then you ask them what it is, and then they were like, oh, "It was Doctor Who." So I was like, <gasps> oh, "Yes." So so that turned into like a good few months of like I was in uh, Christmas invasion no runaway bride i'm in that i'm running around um there's actually a photo of me with david tennant that went that ended up on graham norton's show where he's like I, I, he's like waving for the taxi and i'm in the background of it um which is mad and then i did torchwood i was a dead body in torchwood um, i've got a character named called barry leonard which is cool in episode seven of series two i'm in that then they needed an extra slab in smith and jones and um, because Amazing. of my height uh, that's basically it but when you watch it back like I'm very much like sort of not I haven't got the same posture as Matt Dorman <laughs> who's just like ripped and uh, you can really see me looking like the sort of stoner slab so that was that so that was my experience of being in it oh and I'm I'm a looter in uh Stolen Earth as well so like amazing yeah I've been in some like great <laughs> belters um so that was all obviously dream come true and that's actually where I saw the picture of Davros in the AD truck when I went to go and sign out I was like <gasps> oh my god Davros is in this oh my god because they don't tell you anything they just say you're running around they don't tell you what episode it is that you just yeah so that was cool and then that'll obviously live with me forever
0: so what about working on the actual show
1: so I worked in the Doctor Who experience for uh, I was there when it opened actually in Cardiff and I was the the first team to go in there and and bring it to Cardiff Um, and I was one of the people who would show you around the the uh the attraction i suppose or the, like the, the ride if, you know inverted, inverted commas so that was always really fun uh, and that was before it got quite like immersive and they added like a- actors into it um it was like you basically just got given well i brought my own sonic screwdriver <laughs> and i would just creep through the corridors with the kids you know and and like let them like open the door with it because you know all that i knew all the trigger points when it would open the um you know the doors would open and stuff so yeah that would be really fun and then you just stand around all day like checking out the monsters and talking about (laughs) dr who i digress i was put on the uh set tours which you get taken over to rothlock around the um it was the matt smith tardis at the time um it's beautiful thing the michael pickwoods it's just like the you know my favorite new series tardis really might be even my favorite
0: tardis of all time the one the one that became capaldi's
1: yes Yeah, that's my favourite as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, And you would just take people around that. But anyway, whilst being there, waiting for people to come in, I met someone called uh, James de Havilland, who is, I think, now production manager on Doctor Who, but he was a second AD at Doctor Who back then. He was actually just like always involved in Doctor Who, whether or not it's like the events or shooting. He's just like someone who's been working there a long time. And I just managed to get his email address through someone else. And I just said, Oh, have you got any runner work going? And. They didn't have anything on Doctor Who. They put me on a day on casualty or something like that, and I, that was basically he gave me my first day's work in the industry. Um, but then I just remember it really vividly. Like I was just like having a day off or whatever, and the phone rang, and he was like, "Oh, Mike, can you come in to work on something with us?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah, what is it?" And he was like, "Oh, it's Doctor Who." I was like, oh. "And then?" And I was like, what, "What? What do you need from me?" Yes, of course. And he was like, "Well, we're doing a thing called Five Doctors reboot, and I just need you to look after." Um, Sylvester, Colin and Peter um, <laughs> while they basically run around Rothlock trying to get into the 50th special. And then because it was such a small crew, it was like James firsting it. I think, yeah, he was firsting it. And then it was like me as a runner um, and uh, Peter Davison and the cast, you know, and Sylvester and, and Colin running around Rothelock, just getting shots left, right and centre. It was It was just like working closely with them. It was just obviously like the dream job you know and i was like i've peaked <laughs> day 2 but you know like silly things like i got to be inside one of the daleks in it and you get to Amazing. see me put yeah i get i get to i put the shrouds on top of them at the end and stuff and and then once you once you're in it's you know this man like once once you're in the industry like things just start spiraling from there and series 8 started shooting and then i i was basically like a daily that came in on and off on series 8 mm. um got really friendly with capaldi um We still email now and again. Nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we. He, his, his first experience on his first location shoot. I was waiting outside his trailer, and I, my first day on Doctor Who, proper Doctor Who. And he opened the door and he's like, "What's your name?" And I was like, "Oh, my name's Mike." And he's like, "Come in my trailer, Mike." And I was like, "Okay." And he was like, "So, what are you here for?" And I was like, "Well, I'm a Doctor Who fan, but I'm a runner today." And he was like, "Okay, so who's your favourite Doctor?" And I was like, "Well, no offence, but like John Pertwee's my favourite Doctor." And he was like. Okay, and then we just riffed, basically, about Doctor Who. And we just couldn't stop talking about Doctor Who together. And I felt like he probably, because he'd not been the Doctor yet, I feel like it was nice for him to just have someone to vibe off. Um, So that turned into basically, like, we were were filming Into the Dalek, which is extremely fun to do, because I just remember walking into the airbase and just Daleks are blowing up left, right and centre, and Pete Capaldi wants to talk to me about Doctor Who. And it was just, you know, like... (laughs) I felt like I was being the most jammy person, like ever, because they're they're really hot on Doctor Who fans actually getting in and working right. on it. They're just like really hot on that. Um, so I seem to have passed the <laughs> passed the security. But anyway, yeah. And then it just we just carried on chatting, and and we would always talk about Mondasian Cybermen, like that would be a thing. And I I don't think he was aware of the term at that point. So we he was talking about Tenth Planet Cybermen. So I was like, oh, you mean the Mondasian Cybermen? And and then we just carried on riffing about that. And then, and then you know, we would say like, "Oh, how sick it would it be to get like a Genesis of the Cybermen, like story?" Because we've never really had that properly, you know. And and we just riffed on it for ages. And then, like all of a sudden, like cut to three years later, like they get the Mondasian Cybermen, and and like he's even i think he's even called me out on it um on radio i think or something about it there's like a radio interview where he's called me out
0: yeah no there is there is definitely because I remember i remember at the time well i can't remember whether there was a the time but I, I i know I've heard there's, there's a there is an interview with him where he he does mention that that he was talking to someone about it on set or something like that
1: yeah he says dj mikey snooze um yeah it's on it's on the, uh, it's a joe wiley one i've got it somewhere i could send it to you if you want but it, um so yeah and that was it really that was my last experience on it um properly because i just moved to london then and then that was me then i was working on all sorts of other productions and films and stuff but you know i you know i had a really positive experience working with peter and i would love to have gone back or still love to go back but you know what it's like. It's We're always working on other things and it's always about schedules and timing. And But yeah, so that's pretty much it. And then now I just run the quiz for fun because I'm not in any danger of having a conflict of interest anymore.
0: Too, too, too hot for TV. So today we're going to be talking about a Paul McGann Doctor Who audio adventure from Big Finish. But you have a dirty secret to share with us first of all, oh, don't you?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually a disgrace basically. Like, <laughs> And I'm I'm aware that I'm a disgrace. Okay, so my dirty secret by Michael Williams of the Quiz of Rassilon is that I have never listened to a Paul McGann Big Finish slash. I've not listened to more than about two Big Finish stories in total, and one of them is spare parts, which everyone's listened to, <laughs> <laughs> and the and the other one um, is Holy Terror. Yeah, yeah, those two. those That's the only big finish I've ever listened to. And I'm not a fan. I'm not a real fan. And I deserve to be <laughs> taken out and tarred and
0: feathered. <laughs> of course you're a real fan. You run a quiz about Doctor Who. And this is, you know, obviously, as I, we were saying off mic beforehand, that there is so much Doctor Who, it's impossible to consume at all. So you choose the bits that you're going to consume and yeah. you ignore others. You choose your own canon, essentially.
1: <sighs> yeah. And I feel like... Um, yeah, I just felt like I watched it on TV and I watch it still every day. Like, I just watched the Romans again today. I'm always watching Doctor Who. But I for some reason, no disrespect, of course, because I'm fully fully supportive. But I just haven't connected with it in in that way until you came along and <laughs> gave me some research and some homework
0: to do. I, I did. So, um as the listeners will know, on our previous episode that came out a couple of weeks ago, we looked at an 8th Doctor comic strip called The Flood and an 8th Doctor audio called The Faith Stealer. And I thought this would be a perfect little companion piece because we picked sort of quite unknown McGann ones that we wanted to sort of discuss. And then obviously I've got you here, uh, who has never ever heard a McGann audio. So we decided to pick Well, I I decided to pick because it was on Spotify, so it was easy for you to access. uh, Blood of the Daleks by Steve Lyons. Before we get into that, I want to know your memories of the TV movie and watching that for the first time.
1: I um, loved it, actually. and I must have been 16 when it came out. Or 15? Was it 96? Yeah, so I'd have been about 15, 16. And the police box, the TARDIS, McGann theme tune... All of that was amazing. Um, Like the story itself was okay. Like it didn't, you know, I was excited and I enjoyed it. Um, And I can still watch it today and still get that feeling of nostalgia. I just feel like for some reason it's so sad that like McGann, which just seems to be the most short-changed Doctor ever, even more short-changed than Colin. (laughs) Because like like, it's so, you just feel like they were on to something. They could have made
0: some really amazing stuff, you know. I think so too. I mean, I rewatched the TV movie recently. And the thing that struck me was how well directed it was. I don't know whether you've seen it recently, but it's over directed in a way that they obviously had the time and, and the schedule to do it mm-hmm. because you don't see Doctor Who that well directed today. It's just like there's loads of cutaways, there's loads of imagery, symbolism, the lighting's amazing. Mm-hmm. And as you say, the script is unfortunately a a bit of a mess, but that's due to too many influences, too many execs, rather than down mm. to the actual writer just trying to please everybody. But I mean, he is the Doctor. He hits the ground running.
1: Right. He know he n- he nails it within seconds. Like you know, you get that weird like Jesus moment, and then after that, he's he's just the Doctor. He just gets the techno babble. He gets the energy, the phoneticness. He's great, Jelly Baby stuffs great. I love all that. It's brilliant.
0: My favourite scene is, and it's the most doctorous thing, is when he when he pulls the gun from the policeman's belt and then goes, "Would you stand aside before I shoot myself?" and just points it immediately <laughs> yeah. at him, which is just that—that's the character in one for me.
1: Yeah, he nails it. I just feel like ah, oh, they really missed a trick. Um... Poor Sylve. like they should have just like you know the first time you meet the Doctor and he gets shot and it's like you know for a new audience like that's how Russell nailed it. He was just like Doctor starts, that's the Doctor. Yeah. There's no death yeah. scenes and they're so bogged down with continuity that like yeah, um, it, it, but but it, it was still good. Yeah, you know I still enjoyed it. I love Sylvester's Doctor.
0: Yeah, I mean you could have even started it just with finding a body in an alleyway that changes form almost if like I know obviously. the the continuity is a bit of a mess but it's 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 not even the fact that sylvester's there it's that chunk beforehand where they explain the time lords the master (laughs) finding a person shot in an alleyway and them changing is actually quite a good in for a series series. that's yeah well
1: yeah yeah it's not actually the shooting bit it's just that he yeah you have all that preamble Uh, but i guess you get to see really nice tardis you get to see sylvester mccoy in it you know
0: yeah. So it's um,
1: technically um, Sylph's TARDIS, really, isn't it? The Seventh Doctor's TARDIS. Cause... Yeah, I
0: mean, who knows Had it? who had it longer? Yeah, right. Um, they, they very nearly, very nearly, Philip Seagull, um almost got Ace in it as well. So Ace's final performance would have just been her stepping out the TARDIS and getting shot and dying. No way. Which I'm very glad they didn't do. Because
1: have, yeah, that would have been too far.
0: It, it would have been too far. What do you think a TV series based on like, if that had gone to a series, do you think the series would have been any good? Or do you think it would have been at some trashy mid nineties, American sci-fi? Hmm.
1: Well, I, I'm up for trashy mid nineties, American sci-fi. Oh, I am too. I am too. But uh, I feel like, um, seeing them go to different planets and meeting Daleks maybe. And, you know, who knows where they could have gone with that, you know, because like even even in the most trashiest of Doctor Who series, and I'm not going to name names, but there's always some gems in there, you know, that sit out and, and you go, actually, that's decent. Whether or not you, you agree with the production team or the or the direction that it's moved in, there's there's always seems to be something, a little gem in there. And I feel like you would have got that. Um, plus, McGann would have carried it as well. I think, as you know, now, as I know from listening to him, he's spectacular. um, As a doctor, and like, he is the doctor.
0: When Lucy Miller appears out of nowhere on board the TARDIS, the doctor attempts to return her home, but a temporal shield prevents him from doing so. Instead, they arrive on the planet Red Rocket Rising. Decimated by asteroid strikes, the colonists who couldn't escape are now subject to starvation, civil unrest, and acid rain. The colony's acting president receives a transmission from a Dalek fleet offering help, which she duly accepts. While it is revealed that the long-dead Professor Martez has survived in the mind of his assistant Asher, Martez has been using salvaged Dalek technology to create a new form of human hybrid Dalek for the humans to survive in. With the Dalek fleet having landed, and Martez's Daleks on the loose, the two races of Daleks destroy each other, and Martez's decaying body is killed by his own creations. Lucy reveals that the Time Lord sent her to the Doctor because of something she's seen, although she has no memory of what it was. She decides to stay with the colonists, but the TARDIS won't leave without her, so the Doctor begrudgingly takes her with him. So this came out, the on it was broadcast on BBC Radio 7. Right. Um, on the 31st of December 2006 to the 7th of January 2007, Just after The Runaway Bride had come out. Now, the deal with this is, McGann apparently, this has never been confirmed, had been doing Doctor Who audios for a long time and was just getting a bit bored of it and wanted to do something new and exciting. And at the same time, BBC Seven said Doctor Who's been on for two series, it's a huge hit can we do a Doctor Who radio show? And the main, like obviously Russell being busy and everything, couldn't go, oh yeah, we can find time for David Tennant to record a Doctor Mm. Who radio show. So they came to Big Finish, who produced these three or four series of the 8th Doctor and Lucy Miller audios as basically new Doctor Who. So for the first time ever, and this is something I think should happen more, you get two concurrent series of Doctor Who running on different formats. Also, I know that when Russell brought the show back, he was still very hesitant to kind of touch on the past too much at that point. So it seems odd that... And there were trailers that were put out on the BBC uh, radio channels that were like, in this dimension, Gallifrey has not been destroyed. Boy, and, no way. And just trying to explain that there has been no time war yet. And this and this is like Doctor Who, the prequel, essentially.
1: Oh, my goodness. That's really interesting. And I also read that um, this was the... F- First story that had been broadcast on the radio since Ghosts of N-Space, I think, which I think
0: is cool, because I I love Ghosts of End space (laughs) Me too, I've got very fond memories of it. Big Finish had been making Doctor Who for, I don't know, the best part of ten years at this point.
1: I guess I was, like like I was saying, growing up and missing, you know, didn't get that. That was the era that was supposed to be in between TV movie and you know series one so I was away doing my thing I was in uni college working and stuff
0: and the thing is they were really expensive like for what they were and so I heard them because I, I was away I was like 17 18 and spending my money on a uh, drink and like going out yeah. and, and things like that and just generally being a bit of a tearaway yeah. and my brother, though, who is a Doctor Who fan, is a few years younger than me. He was spending his pocket money every week on buying the CDs. So I, I, that that's the only reason that I know these sort of early big finishes so well, because I was too busy spending my money on going out, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um so this was January 2007, so Runaway Bride had just been broadcast, uh, Rose had just left Doctor Who, um, wow. Torchwood had just landed for the first time, and you know, everybody was going crazy about Torchwood. What a time to be alive. I don't know, I know. In, in fact, it was at the same time that Blue Peter was doing their Appear in Doctor Who competition, which oh, wow. resulted in that got that little kid from Utopia. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. And just generally, it was like... This was when the new series was really ready to kind of explode. I mean, it had been a huge success already, but they just announced the Sarah Jane Adventures was happening. Um, and also that Hattie MacDonald was directing Blink, who was the first female director since Mark of the Rani. Oh,
1: my goodness. Yeah, yeah
0: there's a little a little fact that that kind of uh, flies by you. But, yeah, so they were given... That the license to do this series, and they, I think they did, right? I know they did four series, but I think only three of them are on radio. But it's certainly like a great, a great sort of time. And it introduces Sheridan Smith of as Lucy Miller. What do you think of Lucy?
1: She's great. Um, she's got no problem t- telling the doctor off. She's got no, you know, she's got plenty of sass. Um, and doesn't particularly want to be there, <laughs> but, but you know, is uh, well, enduring blood of the Daleks anyway. Um, and there's more to be found out about her or the Time Lord stuff, which I, you know, I'm quite interested to find out what goes on there. Because um, that's all I know is that like they do they've sort of put her with the Doctor, and he can't leave it. He's got to, he's got to basically look after her for some reason so i have no idea what's going on there
0: i won't go into mega spoilers but that part of the arc is resolved in the first series and then they go on just some massive adventures together the second the second series of those audios is one of my favorite periods of doctor who because it's it's kind of this thing where it's it's sort of new doctor who but sort of old doctor who and it's just like that perfect mix which again this is but um I love Lucy Miller. She feels like a, an RTD companion.
1: Yeah, she's great. Well fleshed out, more than meets the eye, and yeah, no no problem in telling the doctor straight. And I feel like you need companions who've got um, cojones, you know, who can <laughs> who can just tell, put the doctor in, in his his or her place.
0: She calls the doctor a frock-coated ponce in it, which is not a line <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't get that wouldn't no day, no i think i think they just about got away with it in 2007 and sure. doesn't she make
1: fun of his curly hair as well i can't remember yeah that. yeah
0: yeah she makes she makes a few att- attacks on the way he looks
1: yeah yeah she's not yeah but she's fuming anyway she doesn't want to be there you know she's imagine being in that planet it would just be horrible it was like
0: murdering and daleks
1: everywhere It'd just be grim
0: i think it builds like the world it, it paints is like it the reason it feels more new series because you're thrown straight into the action but, because if this was in a traditional story, there'd be episode one yeah, where right. they'd wander around and not really know what was going on. But it's just, right, There's you get there, there's riots. They don't bother waiting with the yeah. Daleks to have them at the first cliffhanger. It's just like the Daleks appear halfway through the episode. Mm. And it's just... A fantastic kind of sci-fi world it creates with rebels and yeah. scientists and things like that. And like you say, it just kicks
1: straight off. They're, they're in a chase within seconds. You know, running. You know, the Doctor. They split up. The Doctors. You know, sending people places, and you instantly get an understanding of what the politics of like of the of the city or you know the planet. Straight away, yeah. I was really excited about it. I was driving the car, like, this is this is great. Um, and McGann's just already, I guess, well, like you say, he's been doing 10 years of it by now, so he's in full swing.
0: He, he's, he is in full swing. Mm. As someone that hasn't listened to any McGann before, only got the TV series, do you, does, does this McGann feel different to the one in the TV movie?
1: More confident, I think, but but still. He's good in the t v movie man he he he's he's a good doctor, just generally i think um, and I feel this definitely feels like you know once somebody's been doing the role for a while, they just get it and they've got confidence and they've got they just get it i just think all around he's pretty good, but yeah, I feel like he's got much more depth to him in this because he's probably read thousands of lines by now of of the character. But he's certainly really enjoyable, and every scene he's in, you just think he's great. And also not, like, overly positive sometimes as well. He's actually a bit of a, a, a prick sometimes, I feel. Yeah. Um, which is good, I
0: think, because the Doctor isn't always, like, nice, you know? Mm. Uh, it's that thing that I don't... He doesn't go full Colin Baker first series or Capaldi first series. It's more in line with Pertwee, mm. where, you know, Pertwee can be a bit difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. But he's you never for once doubt that he's the hero of the show
1: yeah and, and and he's just a bit short with people he doesn't suffer fools as much you know and 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 also not afraid to essentially create a war <laughs> between <laughs> the daleks <laughs> So yeah, no, I I love I loved it. I, I it just feels like having a completely brand new doctor I'd never heard before. It's really enjoyable experience, you know.
0: He has some lovely moments, and I, obviously, people are used to writing for his character by now. He gets to the planet; they're separated, uh, and McGann bumps into some rioters and immediately kind of integrates himself within there. Yeah. And like, they'll shout something and he'll kind of join in and go, yeah, 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 down with so-and-so. Yeah. And they'll be like, because of course, what did they do? And he just has this very funny way of th- making them think... He's on their side while he learns all he needs to know. Yeah, about about that, about what's going on on the planet. It is
1: really well written, actually. I'm not sure what um, Steve Lyons wrote. Is he done so, mostly Big Finish then? So or?
0: Steve Lyons is like your standard extended, not standard in any negative way, but he's one of like the stalwarts of. Uh, the extended universe, in that he started writing for the new adventures, the missing adventures, then the BBC wow. Books Eighth Doctor Past Doctor range, and then he was—he's been writing from Big Finish since the early days. And he does—he writes a lot of not just Doctor Who, but he's written d- Red Dwarf spin-offs and things like that. So he's—he's—he's he's, he's one of your go-to guys if you Got want to—if you—if you want kind of extended universe stuff. Um, but he—I think his script is great.
1: Yeah, it's really well plotted, man, and like it actually brings. New- new ideas to the daleks that i'd not heard of before so that was i found really interesting as well uh, like which we'll get into later on but yeah he was it was great Uh, it was straight away it felt like a doctor who story
0: yeah he goes he goes straight into the action it's slower than the new series i think but not yeah not too much slower
1: and also it's in two parts which um which felt we i didn't know if it was gonna cliffhanger actually i didn't wasn't sure how it works with those shows um because it was all in like loads of two minute tracks, like on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I think that's why they did it on the CDs back in the day, wasn't it? They were all just like, yeah, yeah. So it just kept flowing. So I was just like engrossed in the story. But yeah, like you say, it's like, it doesn't feel like a 45 minute Doctor Who story, like of today's standards. It felt like classic. That's just, it felt like a, you know what? It felt like the Resurrection of the Dalek, you know, the way that's put into a 45 minute section, you know, when yeah, they did yeah. that, like that kind of vibe, I feel. Yeah, you're right. Totally right.
0: It's also it's it's a dark story. Obviously there's humour in it, but like it is not like a happy um like outcome for anybody. It really is quite bleak.
1: A lot of death in it actually. Um and and really interesting well, you know, people being turned into Daleks, it basically means that they're gonna get killed and and dismembered and and reprogrammed from their DNA. You know, it's not not pleasant for anyone really.
0: (laughs) I yeah, yeah. I I love that little joke at the end where they they go they've defeated the daleks and again, we do spoilers in this podcast because everybody knows what they're getting into they should listen to the things first but they they all of a sudden it's like oh we found someone else that's going to help us they're from a planet called Telos and you just like <laughs> yeah. here we go again
1: uh yeah it's it's
0: almost a gag
1: that these poor people are going to get wiped out again
0: it's sort of sci-fi 101 it's a bit like doctor who does aliens so it is family friendly but it's dark but it's you know it's colonists on a planet something goes yeah. wrong which is a standard doctor who thing but kind of done well because it's audios and they reuse a few kind of big dalek tropes that you've you've heard before but i i think they're reused well so the ones i noted was like the planet's decimated by asteroid strikes, but like they did with the Daleks' invasion of Earth. Yeah, um, There's a lottery for people leaving the planet, like Ark in Space. And, you know, the Daleks versus the other types of Daleks is very evil of the Daleks. And then also the Daleks pretending to be friends is very power of the Daleks. Yeah. So it's a bit of a greatest hits of uh, the, the Dalek schemes. But I think if you're not a fan, and people listening to this may not have been huge Doctor Who fans it's a very accessible version of of, yeah. of that history without getting bogged down in you know continuity.
1: Yeah, and then you've got a bit of remembrance politics in there as well, like Daleks v Daleks because they're not the same they're not the same kind of they they just they're, they're not pure in their blobbiness or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and and yeah, and uh, interesting lead villain character as well actually and how yeah. it's actually a gender flip, which I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: So the the lead it is um Martes who is a male scientist who's put their mind inside a female it's yeah. it's a pretty neat body swapping obviously has been done before in sci-fi and in Doctor Who mm. but having kind of the the bad guy hidden in plain sight the entire entire time oh, yeah. I think is 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 really good
1: and and his plan is is dark as well yeah and and actually like refreshing to see because what i was going to say earlier but um is that it's really interesting to see a different genesis of the daleks brought on by a different person not davros um yeah so like he or he or she or they they've basically created a whole brand new race of daleks from scratch essentially based on a one that had crashed i think or something yeah that
0: was it that was it
1: that was refreshing in itself as well as a new new idea they could do that today and that would be brand new you know nobody's done that before
0: it's not a million miles away from the end of series 10 when you've got a different genesis of the Cybermen. Yeah. It makes the Daleks an evolutionary point, much like the Cybermen, rather than uh, uh, these are these evil creatures from Skaro, and then you get the the whole race politics. And it brings it back to the original kind of Nazi allegory that the Daleks had of keeping their, mm. their genetics pure, which is also, you look at it in the parting of the ways and things like that. Yeah. So what do you think of the Daleks themselves in this one? Pretty good, actually. I thought um,
1: they're certainly conniving. Like I, we, when I was watching Resurrection, actually, the other day, they're way more conniving, and they're not—they're not just like I'm going to kill you. I'm going to manipulate you, and then I'm going to kill you, which I think is way more interesting. And and yeah, the way that they like get that woman up up to the spaceship because I actually don't really know why they don't just wipe everyone out. I'm not sure what that what their plan is. Are they? Are they <laughs> Why don't they just wipe everyone out? <laughs> I don't get what they're wasting time for. Didn't, actually, no, didn't um, uh, Martez summon them or something because they thought that they could create, like, a family of Daleks with the the race?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what she wanted initially, but they're, they're basically there to kind of stop, though, this other super race of Daleks, which I yeah. also, I loved the fact that they gave those other Daleks just slightly higher-pitched voices. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Nick Briggs with his uh, vocoder or whatever he's got. Ring modulator just... Um, but yeah, they were cool and they had a bit more personality as well because they were just like, well, why did they attack us, mum? You know, and it was like, or dad or whatever. And they're like, well, you know, it just felt real. And I, I, annoyingly, I would have loved to have kind of seen what they would have gone for, what colours they would have been, you know, and like, because I love different colour Daleks and I imagine Martez's Daleks wouldn't have just been like... I actually
0: imagine them slightly more in line with the, the Dalek you saw in Jodie Whittaker's story just like kind of DIY. Right, yeah, like cobbled together. Or maybe what we may or may not be seeing in the Christmas special mm. this year. But uh, oh, no comment on that, because it hasn't yeah. been out yet.
1: Yeah, it's not been out, but the photos are not out there. Don't go looking for them.
0: So the supporting cast in in this, you've got Eileen Clint, which is played by... Anita Dobson. Yeah. EastEnders fame. Yeah. Which I, I think is, is pretty cool. Tom Cardwell is played by Kenneth Cranham. Right. Uh, Lowell Jer O'Toole. But Asher is played by Hayley Atwell. Oh, from Captain America? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. We. Which is a bit of a. Uh, I mean, they often get these these actors before they become quite famous. But obviously, she went on to have that. That um, not the, Peggy Carter? Is it that her own TV series? Yeah, um, That's amazing. and she is like. I mean, she's she's really good in it. I mean, the, she's I, in Avengers. as well. Yeah, the the whole casting. I think they've also while they're not all necessarily well known. They've cast they've cast all the parts, but it's only a small cast. Yeah, they've cast it really well, and it. Well, it's
1: actually um, a lot of female empowered. The the or, or, you know the leads the lead villains female, and then you've got the president of the planet. She's female. Then you've got um, the companion, obviously female, and then it's just the doctor and that other that dude that sort of weird yeah. sci-fi yeah. like sci-fi fan. I think that was the vibe. Well, I got. Cradwell,
0: like, who's basically the conspiracy theorist, is kind of. Um, is the only other like main yeah. male in the cast, and I think that's quite telling. It kind of goes well, you know. This is new Doctor Who as we've come to know it in the twenty first century, and you know we we are telling different stories, and it's not awful. And the only yeah. other male in there is basically a crackpot, almost a, like you say, almost a personification of a Doctor Who fan from the nineties. That's the kind of vibe I got. Yeah, it was like that.
1: He's just like yeah, the tin. Even they even he's even wearing a tin foil. Hat, think, he, is,
0: he, is, he is. He is. He is. What did you think of the relationship between the Doctor and Lucy bleeding Miller as she's later to become known? So
1: they obviously don't really like each other at first. Well, I think maybe they do like each other, but they're just in a bit of a strenuous situation. Neither of them want to be on this weird planet um, with all this kicking off. And there's a bit of bickering there. But I feel like the Doctor does see something in her, even though he's really reluctant to want to be... Because he's got beef with the Time Lords... He hates for Tamlinos to step in and have like get him to tidy up their mess or whatever. So I think, yeah. So he's got a bit of reluctance there, but they've got a great dynamic.
0: And what do you think of the relationship between the two actors?
1: They, yeah, Paul McGann and Sheridan Smith. That's right. have got um, a great connection. I feel you can just tell they have a laugh when they yeah. record it.
0: They're they're one of my favourite Doctor Companion duos. And yes, it's a bit uneasy in this because neither of them actually want to be there. But not in the way that Tegan never wanted to be there in the 80s. And it's not a spoiler to say she quickly starts to enjoy her ride around the universe and they become very, very good friends. But the uneasiness to start with, I think, is... That's not really how it had been done on TV at that point. Mm. Although, interestingly, this came out just after The Runaway Bride. Both of those episodes, this and The Runaway Bride, begin with a companion just appearing in in the TARDIS. Right,
1: and that's what actually got me really intrigued. Because I was like, oh, that sounds really similar to Runaway Bride. I feel like they've... Now you say that it was like at the same time. That's really quite interesting. Uh, Because I don't know what what her storyline is yet. So I'm like going to keep going, I think, and just...
0: It's she's she's I think she's perfect casting for a Doctor Who companion. And if they ever bring Paul McGann back in a proper episode, it would be a crime not to have Sheridan Smith, who A, is a great actress, and B, also a massive star. Yeah. With the two of them, like, on TV together.
1: <sighs> yeah, I don't see, like... I guess because Budget, and they probably hardly anyone would watch it except for Doctor <laughs> Who fans. But, like, I don't know why they couldn't have just do, like, a BBC Three spin-off, you know just an hour special whatever just 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 send McGann off and you've got scripts they're already you've got 10 years 20 years of scripts, <laughs> you know just
0: so as i said this was the out uh, at the same time as series two of doctor who and like i guess one of my more sort of controversial opinions about doctor who is i don't think you necessarily need to have an incumbent doctor i think there's a world where Say when the Chibnall era comes to to an end, you could do Oh, this year we're doing a special with David Tennant and Billy Piper and Paul McGann and so and so. Like, and you it doesn't have to be like a series. It's just like let's get them to do three episodes, and you just drop it in, and you create this universe. You can give the main show a rest oh. while still keeping Doctor Who fresh in people's minds and bringing back the classics until someone figures out how to reinvent it. Oh yeah. I know you're a big fan of rebooting Doctor Who for Hollywood. I'm
1: up for it. Yeah, I just, I just think they should just somebody should throw a load of money at Netflix, or someone should just throw a load of money and make a Doctor Who like, like a Cushing kind of vibe, just completely other, other universe vibe. There's nothing to do with the TV series, nothing to do with continuity. Just hour long, for, for an hour and a half. You know, or if you're not going to do that, then start making the missing ones again with budget. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I,
0: I've got a feeling that the next time Doctor Who is rebooted which I think we're probably nearer to than people want to admit it will be a reboot but fun. I think it will only be a reboot for as long as it needs to be and then you'll suddenly be on series 5 end of episode series 5 and some doorway to another dimension opens up and David Tennant will walk through and they'll go oh it's all actually connected Yeah. but it's just this big multiverse um, because with a rich history like that there's no way you can't pick from it but if you reboot it in its own way you can you can cross pollinate you know like they have the multiverses in like marvel and stuff like that yeah
1: i was just thinking that yeah so
0: i i suspect that's where it will go in the future i mean as long as they're they're making new doctor who i don't really care whether it is a reboot or a continuation or whatever yeah
1: I'm still a bit, i um, a, a bit uneasy about how things have ended up at the minute, but I'm <laughs> I'm, up, I'm fine with it. But you know, I was just watching the Romans today, and I was like, oh yeah, but he's not Time Lord anymore. He's not, he's not
0: doc, he's not from Gallifrey. But he, but he wasn't when in the Romans, he wasn't the Time Lord from Gallifrey because those things hadn't been invented. Yeah, that's like, true. Like if anything, that's retconning at the end of the War Games when you go. His true. He's he's a wonder in the space and time who's run away from his own people. It is true. And. and I remember around the 50th anniversary or so, they found like some documents that said he was running away from a galactic war. Oh, my God. So that, that was the original backstory. It was technically wow. like a Time War thing. Amazing. Anyway, we, go. we digress again. Yeah. Were there any standout moments, any standout scenes? There's some cool, there's
1: some cool bits in it when they reference Genesis... He said he had a chance to kill the Daleks, I think. I think he mentions that. Yeah, um, he,
0: he says that, which I think always weighs on the Doctor's mind. I mean, yeah. they, they did it in with The Magician's Apprentice and stuff like that, that he's, he's had yeah. this chance a few times to avert the history of the Daleks, but just can't.
1: Uh, oh, and they referenced the Mechanoids and the Mavellans, which I thought was quite cool as well. Yeah. yeah. And always the fact that da- the dark—he asked the Dalek Supreme. So in my brain, it's the Black Dalek, my favourite Dalek. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just imagine that's the one that not that died. I think the Black the Dalek Supreme. I feel like is just a black casing that they just chuck in a blob into, and then they just upgrade the blobs.
0: Uh, we recently did on this. We did the 1960s Dalek comics. Oh, cool. And that and the the way they make the Dalek Supreme in that one's quite funny because it's just like the Dalek Supreme goes, "I need a special casing." It must be made of gold and petals and all these other <laughs> things, and that's where you get that big Dalek with the big round gold head. Yeah, he's well cool though. So, overall, how did you find your very first Eighth Doctor audio?
1: As a whole, I just enjoyed listening to it. Um, and I, I feel like I've slept on some real like great gold stuff. And I, I know it's a good gateway one to get me in actually because like the Daleks are obviously going to be always enjoyable. Um, And it's interesting, it's interesting what they did with the, uh, you know, like having a male inside a female body that I think that was a great reveal. Um, The doctor just basically handles stuff. um, Well, it's just a really good enjoyable experience. And it's made me want to listen to more of them, you know, and and yeah, so I just want to say thank you because like, I don't Amazing. know, yeah, why, why, I don't know what, you know what it's like sometimes circumstance, yeah. you know, but like this, it's just overwhelming. There's just so much of that content and it's like, you don't know where to step in and dive in. So, you know, having someone to nudge you in the right direction <laughs> is really helpful.
0: There is, there is loads of it. And it, as you say, it is overwhelming and I haven't listened to all of Big Finish. I just I, I i kept up to date for about the first 200 and then just kind of which 200. is still a mammoth amount oh um God. but so the whole of this first series for any for yourself and for anybody that's listening is on spotify mm. uh and is well worth a listen as i said the second series of it which isn't on spotify is my absolute one of my absolute peak favorite eras of cool. doctor who because they get through this obviously actually there's one other thing we didn't mention it was left on a bit of a cliffhanger with the mysterious headhunter character that was that had kind of been watching them which is very similar to missy in series eight just yeah. kind of overseeing events and obviously that plays into kind of the arc of this series right okay and then so there's it, more to go there's, there's more to go in terms of the arc, and they finished the series again. This isn't a spoiler, but, um, with the Cybermen and then the other two series, the big bads are Morbius, oh, the, the return of Morbius, and again, this is on the cover blurb, so I'm not like spoiling things, and a series about the Metabela spiders as well. Wow, we okay, and all so, McGann as well, all, all McGann, all McGann and Sheridan Smith. So, um I'll be interested to hear if you manage to make through make them through all of them. Maybe if you get to the end, we'll do like a, a recap episode and you can come in and tell me <laughs> yeah. tell me your highlights of of all these um the oh, McGann audios.
1: Quick thing just to mention, uh, I really like the name the, the planet named Red Rocket Rising. That's a really cool name for a planet. Um and also one thing actually just about the end was they were actually walking away from each other. They were like yeah. they were done. Um so that's something interesting as well, is that no matter, you know, they've just got through this warring factions of Daleks, a lot of death. Because then, because essentially, he convinces the humans to fight, you know, with the Daleks against one row of Daleks, and then they get exterminated anyway. And then there's some people left over. But she, you know, they've been through quite a lot together, but they still don't really end up together until they realise they can't leave without each other. You know, so it's a bit of an interesting one there, I think. That...
0: Yeah, no, it's it it kind of makes you go, I wonder where this relationship's going to go, but it, not like. It's not like Mm. the end of the twin dilemma where you've got a psychopath who has tried to strangle you, kind of um, whisking you off into time and space going, well, this is me now. It's just a case of she kind of is, you can tell that she's gone. Oh, so I can see the whole of time and space. I'd like that. But I actually don't want to do it with this guy. I think he's a bit of a prick. Yeah. But he's nice. (laughs) And then she like
1: sheepishly knocks the door and and then she comes back and yeah it was interesting, man. I I, I just, I just I thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that I got to listen to it. So yeah, and I'm going to listen to more. So there we go.
0: Amazing. Well, uh, well, we'll definitely have you back to talk about some of the other ones. If people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you?
1: Right. So you can get us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. It's just at Quiz of Rassilon. Um...
0: Mikey, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, and uh, we'll have to get you back soon.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, and then, yeah, if you guys, if anyone wants to come to the quiz, you can. Um, we're doing monthly virtual ones on Zoom. Uh, and we're hopefully, hopefully we'll be back in the real world soon. And we are going to simultaneously run one and the other at the same, not at the same time. Well, although I am tempted to do them at the same time. <laughs> um, we are going to try and do, uh, we're going to do one physical and one virtual one
0: a month. Amazing. Everybody should get down to them. But this has been Doctor Who, Too Hot for TV. Thanks for listening.